When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So before you willingly relocate to a place where people actually attend football games with cheese on their heads, you should watch my top 10 reasons not to move to Wisconsin. Number 10, bugs and insects. Bugs are such a problem in Wisconsin, they actually have a law in Hudson that says you must have screens on your windows from May 1st to October 1st. They also have a Dustin Diamond problem. Dustin is a Wisconsin native who played Screech and Saved by the Bell back in the 1990s. Number 9, it's flat. Wisconsin is one of the flattest states. The highest natural point is a hill. I wonder if this is where all that flat earth nonsense started. Number eight, it smells bad. I mean, if you ever smelt a cow, they smell bad enough without the whole manure thing. In rural Wisconsin, you can't escape the smell. Number seven, weather. Number six, water pollution. This is due to runoff from toxic chemicals used in farms, making some of the water kind of like a bathtub in Flint, Michigan. Number five. Crime rate, Milwaukee, its largest city. What do you expect from a city that decided drunk in public isn't a thing anymore? Number four, no jobs. Wisconsin's not the place you want to go to if you're looking for a job, which is kind of hard. Wisconsin's one of those states that people don't really leave. Once you're born there, you kind of stay there. You might move around to different towns, but a lot of people stay close in Wisconsin. Number three, Scott Walker. He famously said during his disastrous run for the presidency, if I can handle union protests, I can handle ISIS. Number two, obesity. About 39% of residents are considered obese. No one wants to go outside and exercise because the whole place smells like manure. And number one. The Dustin Diamond thing is just so silly. Like, he, it's just so, ne- I don't know. It's so negative and it always bums me out. But it's, it's I think he's so full of shit. Like his sex his, tape. It's, it's, it's his perspective. All bullshit. It's his you saw it. That's not him. Come on. Screech is not packing that the hell out of here. He doesn't have six buildings beneath him. There's no fucking <laughs> You're full of shit, Dustin. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast, a special pod crash episode featuring guest host from the Decibel Geek podcast, Aaron Camaro. Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I am joined by the street rod uh, named Aaron Camaro. How are you, Aaron? 
I'm awesome, dude. What a that was something. That was some kind of intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling we're gonna have some fun today. I love you, Baco, man. Yeah. I always have a good time when I'm around you, and I'm glad to be on Cobras and Fire. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. Of course, man. We've had an open invitation, but these things uh, are a lot easier to talk about than they are to schedule, aren't they? That's for sure. Hey, before we get too far into it, let me ask you something that I, I know has been on the back of a lot of people's minds. Uh, did you get your latest Vinnie Vincent cancellation refund? Uh, no, not yet. Still waiting <laughs> on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you something. <laughs> I guess it's okay to say this. Chris and I had actually considered maybe going to that. Yeah. But by wearing fake mustaches and getting a job for the night at the uh, at the place where it was, like Chris knew somebody that worked there, and we were going to apply for temp jobs for the night oh. and wear fake mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, you know that's that makes me really sad because that would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, now now I'm really bummed it didn't go down. Me too. <laughs> oh man, you know I. Uh, well, before we get too into that, I have a couple more follow-ups on that, but we probably should let people know what's going on. Uh, yeah, there, we, we we didn't have a change in power. We're just having a little fun here on something that we're calling kind of a pro- pod crash thing. Uh, I don't know which episode's coming out first, but there will be an episode with Luce Cannon and uh, Chris Sinzak. And, and, of course, this episode features, I guess, uh, we're, we're kind of the... Uh, we're the color analysts yeah. on each show, right? They're the play-by-play guys. Come on, so. Baco. You know that you're the first microphone on Cobras and Fire, as I am on Decibel Geek. Okay, yeah, so we're, we're the clearly, we're, we clearly drive the ship. Yeah. our episodes should go first, right? Yeah, probably. We're definitely recording first, so we'll see how it actually gets slotted. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> something tells me that we'll, 51%... We'll beat him with punctuation, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Punctuality, something like that. But no, it's just a kind of a fun way to to kind of mix things up and keep things fresh, at least for us on our end. And uh, always a big fan of all the stuff you guys do at Decibel Geek. And, and you, of course, uh, you know, uh, we have kind of a, a, a weird uh, upper, nor- upper Midwest uh, bond, uh, which we'll dig yeah. into a little bit here so uh but back to vinnie vincent uh you know uh, do we have to <laughs> just just a little bit because i want to i want to look at it from the big picture now i don't want to okay who gives, who gives a crap about the the cancellation that everybody knew right was, okay was gonna happen right although i am disappointed that you guys couldn't go with fake mustaches <laughs> i was all about it man oh, i was man. like you need to call this person and see if we can do this uh but uh, that's the only thing about that that i think is interesting um uh think about you know, because I came into Decibel Geek, I think uh, about four years ago, five years ago, something like that. And you know, the, you guys were basically the only people talking about Vinnie Vincent. And you know, Chris, of course, you know, was like basically considered, you know, the world's leading expert on a guy <laughs> that that nobody could get a hold of, right? I know it was so weird. Like when it all unfolded for me, you know, imagine me starting a show with this guy to find out my new co-host is. The professor of everything, Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> Told and, me all kinds of things I never knew, all kinds of things I'd never wanted to know. You've probably covered this, but where were you in, in Vinnie Vincent fandom when you joined the show? I mean, I'm an Ace Fraley guy, so yeah. you know, anybody after him is not Ace Fraley, you know. And for me, Vinnie Vincent was when I was young and just discovering Kiss and kind of getting my own albums and it was a treat because every time you go to the record store there was an opportunity to maybe get a Kiss record that you'd never heard before 
And by the time I got like Lick It Up and Creatures of the Night, I was all confused. And it's like, you know, who's Vinnie Vincent? You know, who's Bruce Kulick? And who is on the cover of this Creatures of the Night? Yeah. And they're not wearing makeup, you know? And what happened to Ace Fraley? And we didn't have internet and shit back then. So it was like, no, I had no idea. You know, I asked my Uncle Bruce. He was like, oh, yeah, Ace Fraley left Kiss. I was like, what? No, when? You know? <laughs> so, you know, Vinnie Vincent to me was always then, of course, second best. But as I got older, man, I listened to Vinnie Vincent Invasion albums. And holy shit, does that guy play guitar on that? You know, say yeah, what you want about Vinnie Vincent. I mean, the guitar playing on those Vinnie Vincent Invasion albums are out of this world, you know, and it would blow my mind. And so I was always a big Vinnie Vincent fan, too. You know, not quite to the degree of my co-host, Chris, but... Yeah. You know, I always I never had a problem with him. I didn't never knew nothing about him. So you know, if you don't know nothing about him, he's great. Fair enough. But by the time you guys uh, uh, got to Atlanta, that almost seemed like this thing that would never happen. And then to finally get Vinny on the show, uh, and now and just am- look, looking back, I'm just saying it's amazing in five years how much the worm has turned from like we don't know where he is but we're gonna kind of have his back to like he's out we love him we're happy to like that motherfucker it was the whole thing was really a crazy roller coaster i mean i remember way back when you know the vinnie vincent like chris revealed his his crazy vinnie vincent fandom and, yeah. <laughs> and knowledge you know and then it's like okay you know yeah let's do these shows because nobody knows where he is and he's like the most mysterious guy in history you know and so people want to know about him so it was always interesting whenever we'd have an opportunity to talk to somebody it was always really interesting to hear the stories because it kind of became like a mythology almost because the guy was gone but it's not because he died it was just that he disappeared you know and then to go full circle when those got so popular, you know, we would look at like the list of our most popular shows and the Vinnie Vincent stuff was always right up at the top. And so it's like, that's crazy, you know, but it was just because so many people were so, he was such an enigma, you know, at the time that people just wanted to know more about him, you know, and then the more you'd learn about him, the crazier the story seems and the more interesting stories you want to hear yeah. about him. So, you know, it just kind of goes on. And then at that point, like way back then, I told Chris, I said, we're going to get Vinnie Vincent on the show someday. And he's like, do you, do you really think so? I said, oh, man, fuck. I know we're going to. It's going to happen. Mark my words. Someday we're going to get Vinnie Vincent on the show. And then for things to go the way they did down in Atlanta, and that was a whole nother crazy thing because we waited in line and got up there to him. And it was weird because everybody was just like, oh, Vinnie Vincent, I'm such a big fan. You know, would you be please sign this for me? I, I just love your playing so much. You you look great. Oh, it's so great to have you. Back, you know? <laughs> and then here I come, and I've been drinking Bloody Marys all afternoon, and I'm I got a good buzz on, and I'm laughing. That's a very and Merrill jokes Wisconsin and, thing to do. Yeah, I'm having a blast, you know. And everybody else is so proper with famous. I come up and I get him laughing, you know. And he starts. He gives a big old belly laugh, and I immediately turn and look at Chris, and Chris has got this look on his face like, "What the fuck is Aaron doing?" You know? <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you this. Of all those people that were being prim and proper, uh, did they all have their T-shirts tucked in?
It's just life in general, you know. There's going to be some people that you, you know, just catch a vibe with and are really yeah. cool and can understand, and other people you see and go, "What the hell are they doing?" You know, what are they thinking? Okay, Tuck well, they can do. Shirt in. They Look can how do fat the- he is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. Yeah, I don't. I <laughs> as long as they love Kiss, man, that's good enough for yeah, me. I could lose some weight, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it is kind of nuts though with uh, the way things happen. And I will. It, it, it's weird because like. Of my connection to you and Chris and, and Decibel Geek in general, I got to see a little bit of the, first of all, I have the connection to you guys personally, but then to know a little bit more than what's that's out there for everybody, it, I took it personally, you know what I mean? It was like, it was difficult to like, what the fuck is wrong with this nut job? And like everything, when you find out the truth, it is typically, well, I should, this is the opposite. It's usually not that interesting when someone who's like been a recluse comes out of the woodwork, it turns out, well, they're just boring. But right. Vinny's yeah. just fucking Possibly. nuts. I don't man. know. It was it was a trip because then you know it went from that we got him on the show. The interview went really good. You know, yeah, I it did. Still, it was great. That's one of our favorites. You know, it's probably one of the best interviews he ever gave. I think you know because we talked about music. You know, we made it easy on him. We didn't ask him about bullshit like Tupperware and you know arguing sure. and fighting with Gene and Paul. Or, and you and, also didn't like do a complete three or uh, with three sixty. I just about quote a loose cannon there. You didn't do a, a total one eighty. You know, like our boy up in Canada. 
Canada. Hey, you know. Oh, so, saving, so, saving that final it. punch to the very end. Yeah, it's just like, well. I heard about well, that. Well, also, he just was never a fan of Vinny. And then to suddenly be like, oh, it's so good to talk to you. You know, I mean, he might as well, you know, it been Michael Branville the way he, you know, turned his. I don't have a friend coat around. Well, on yeah, that whole because thing. all that went on at that same time too. Where, like, for example, those guys would always bag on Vinnie Vincent yep. all the time. And then all of a sudden, Vinnie Vincent's back, and they're like, "We're the Vinnie Vincent exclusive podcast in the whole world." <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, <laughs> wow, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that, that all that is what it is, you know. Well, sure, it's, no. I mean, you, the, the, it people, was all part of the adventure, you know, and that's what made the whole thing so great. Because I mean, honestly, we could make probably a movie if we took the story of Chris and Aaron starting out in the beginning of the movie is these two guys, you know, meeting they're talking about rock and roll. They both love Kiss, and then the one guy says, you know, you know, I'm an expert on Vinnie Vincent, and the other guy says, what? Yeah, I'm a you know finding Vinnie Vincent. Mm. It could be a comedy for sure, a buddy comedy. Or uh, just like a Netflix documentary. That too. (laughs) It'd have to be a rockumentary, but it was great, man. The whole, like I said, the whole ups and downs of it from, you know, never hearing all the weird stories, never thinking you're going to get him. All of a sudden he's back. You go down to Atlanta, you you make him laugh, you talk him into coming on the show. He comes on the show, does a great interview, and then agrees to be a part of rock and pod and then all that all that that's where the crazy shit really started yeah that was the beginning of the end i guess i guess it was it was it was best to just never have any business with the guy and just just step back and be a fan it's easy to say now i don't mean that as a right no totally you know but yeah but you know what at the time it seemed like it was something worthwhile to try you know bring vinnie vincent to matt nashville you know make him part of rock and pod let all these kiss fans come kiss his ass all day just like all the rock stars do that's why they love coming to rock and pod because they just show up hang out get their butts kissed all day everybody comes up to them man i love this oh i love that Ooh, can you tell me about this oh tell me about that it's got to be amazing and that's what it would have been for him and it would have been cool for everybody but you know shit just wasn't meant to be that way i guess yeah, it, it it is sad in one sense uh, that he he finally comes out and he has all these opportunities and kind of a a second chance. But I think the saddest thing about all this is that it resulted in you apologizing to the three sides of the coin. <laughs> Every time I stare into the sun, trying to find a reason to go.
up when in, what was it? Merrill, Wisconsin. I actually had yeah. to look up the city. It's like a what about ten thousand people? Did I get that right? Yeah, it's a small town, not real big. You know, there's a there was a rock station there. Um, we had an arcade in the when town. We were teenagers, it was cool. It was like being in the seventies. Okay, we were trapped in time. <laughs> well, I got, I gotta believe that there is a certain symbiotic. Uh, nature to to the way the, like the communities we were raised in um because if i looked at it on the map you're what an hour or two from uh uh milwaukee or green bay or uh the, the uh, madison something like that you're kind of right in the middle right yeah right up in the north central part of the state so you know no didn't get a lot of really good concerts up by us you know if you <laughs> wanted to go to a concert you had to go to Green Bay or Milwaukee or Madison or Minneapolis, St. Paul. As Alice Cooper would say, uh, the Indians would pronounce that Miliwake. Miliwake. From, uh, that's from Wayne's World 2, people. Uh, well, let me ask you this. When, when, maybe, hopefully, you'll get, get where I'm going with this. When, would, when did, would you think the first time you realized that there was a certain day of the week that music was released on? <laughs> like, new releases was pretty young, came man. out and they were there. Yeah, I mean, we just I was just talking about this with Chris the other day on Decibel Geek about the album Faster Pussycat, or uh, the Faster Pussycat album, um, Wake Me When It's Over. That was one that I was outside the, what was it, the Camelot Music in the Wassa Center Mall and waiting <laughs> for the stupid gate to open up to run in there and get your Faster Pussycat CD or cassette or whatever it was at the time. Yeah, for me, I definitely had no concept of a release day. Like, I knew, like, like the Kiss solo albums were out, but I didn't know they came out on a certain day. I just waited until they had them in the store that I could look right. at, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it wasn't until I got a driver's license, and, and me and my friends would actually drive to a, a Rochester, Minnesota, where the Mayo Clinic's at, and they actually had record stores that, you know, we in Owatonna, where I grew up, which is 20,000 people, a little bit bigger than what you're talking, but still kind of the same mentality. It would just be like drugstores and, and targets, you know, and, and they didn't really do anything on back then anyway, uh, as far as like, oh, the new Whitney Houston's here. It's it came out today and nobody knew this shit. Nobody that I talked to talked about, oh, the album comes out tomorrow or that kind of stuff. Uh, no, but- I guess not. So, yeah, you're probably right. Probably closer to time where I started driving so you could make sure you were there on those yeah. days. Uh, Crazy Nights was the first uh, album I think I ever went out of my way to get on release day. So. Yeah, yeah, and that was a very disappointing drive home. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I, I was in a kiss coma at that time. I think I covered it in our Crazy Nights episode. I love the entire record at the time, and actually, uh, I'm glad we did that episode because now I kind of still love it. It was a good one, man. I really like that episode. You guys are good at those, uh, the doing the bad albums. <laughs> Yeah, the Saints of Los Angeles one was pretty fucking funny, and I actually like most of that album. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, back to the the Upper Midwest thing. Now, so you, when you wanted to go see a show, you had a what? At least a two hour drive. Yes, and so when I was real young, unless there was something around, you know, something small enough to play in the area, then I was out of luck. I didn't see my first concert till I was. Well, shit, it was the Revenge Tour. It was my first probably okay. real concert, like traveling too. Like my parents begging my parents to let me go with a couple of older kids that they knew their parents, you know, so it was all kind of cool. And then, you know, getting to go do it. And my mom telling me things like, you know, now you be real careful because when you're waiting to get in there, you know, or people want your spot, they've got these long needles and they'll stab you. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I remember being yes. there that night going, watching out for that shit, you know, so, but it never happened. Like all the years to come. 
concert going. That's never, ever happened. But it must have happened somewhere because she heard about it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Motley Crue caused my dad's second divorce. But uh, <laughs> yeah, those kind of discussions happen all the time in those small kind of Puritan towns. You know, like right. the whole your your Halloween candy is going to have razor blades in it and right. all this sure, kind of scary course. shit. But let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of a place in Milwaukee or been there called T.A. Vern's? I don't think it's there anymore. T.A. Vern's. It sounds familiar, but I don't think so. I saw Ace Freely there in like 95 or 96. I had bought the Rock Soldiers, you know, uh, $50 fan club thing, which got me uh, uh, backstage and free admission to a show. Uh, nice. For a, a year, I could go to as many shows as I wanted to. But that oh, was, wow. That was as close as he came to me, so I had to drive to Milwaukee. And, yeah, it was down in a basement, and it's got shag carpet, and, you know, it's, like, got a, one of those, like, recessed ceilings and stuff. Uh, my buddy came with, a, like, about 50 bucks in Canadian quarters, and he, <laughs> and he was buying his beers all night. And at the end of the night, they uh, he had to borrow money from a friend of mine to buy his next beer. And, like, they took the money and gave him back a bunch of his quarters with no beer. <laughs> <laughs> But Ace killed it that night. Yeah, I mean, I got to meet him, and he was hammered, and uh, uh, he wouldn't let me take a picture with him because his, like, pancake makeup was peeling off a little bit. But you got to get backstage and meet him and everything, and he was cool? Yeah, he was very nice. He he signed my Kistory book, and he actually had a page. He signed the, 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 I don't know if you're, do you have the Kistory book? Around here somewhere, I'm sure. So it has that little front autograph page, which was signed by uh, Eric Singer, Kulik, and Paul and uh, Gene, right? Uh, He he signed that, but then it was like one page. He he knew where it was, too. Uh, He went right to it, and it's like from the Elder Sessions. It's like it's a full spread of him, like kind of laid out on the floor. And he's like, I have to sign this. And so he signed that to Baco on that one. So that 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 was a very oh, nice. Yeah, it was really cool, man. And and I really think like between like ninety two and ninety five when I saw I saw Ace Solo about I don't know, six times during that time and I was blown away. I I I I just loved that era of Ace Live. Yeah, that's cool. You can't beat that stuff. That's like when we saw him just recently and they bust out rock soldiers. You know, it takes me back to that stuff. I saw Gene with that band behind them, the Rock and Roll Residency guys. Uh It sounds like, because I've been very disappointed in every live show of Ace I've seen since uh, Anomaly came out. It sounds like, and largely because like Ace doesn't really care, but he's got a band behind him that does and and, and is tight. And we're the old band. It wasn't that these guys were bad musicians. It's like they're all just guys that are kind of up there in age that don't jam together all the time. They, right? They, they yeah, they're just all together. brought together. Yeah, for this. And I, and I think that kind of sucks, you know. But I think now Ace has a band behind him that can kind of allow him to just be Ace and not worry about his guitar playing as much, his rhythm mainly. And uh, it sounds like that that uh, that it's, it's effective. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I mean, you can tell when these guys play with somebody, even when they played with Gene, you know, they bring the best out of these guys. They're they're cool enough and they're talented enough and they know their shit enough to be able to say, yeah, we could play that. Well, how about this? You know, we could play this. Did you know we could play this? We could also play this. How about this song, you know? And so Gene would be like, oh, well, how about this? Yeah, we can play that, you know? So it's like, it's great. It's perfect for them. So now you're getting to hear Ace bust out some of these songs that you don't hear very often because, again, you know, in the live setting those guys have such great chemistry together and they're so in tune to each other that 
really it's got to be like floating on autopilot almost for Ace Frehley where he can really cut loose and have some fun.
it shows, you know, it's, it really shows. Because like you said, with the old bands, like say the Anomaly era, which like you said, they were a great band, you know, totally talented I, in their I, own right. I did guy. not say they were a great band. <laughs> well, I mean, no, in they their were own all, right, they were, you know. They, they were, were qualified were musicians. Enough. Okay, maybe not great, yeah. but, you no, know, they were qualified really musicians. I don't think they ever got to be a great band because they didn't really tour. They didn't rehearse. They kind of did a lot of fly-in dates, you know what I mean? Yeah, it makes a difference, you know, when you're for already friends with everybody you're in, you're in the band with, that makes a huge difference as opposed to just getting thrown in with some guys. Yeah, those motherfuckers in in, in the rock and roll residency, boy, they uh they've had a pretty good run here the last 3 or 4 years, haven't they? It's been amazing to be here in Nashville and, you know, to the back to the very beginning where one week on Decibel Geek, I'm talking about Hair of the Dog. Yeah. Nobody knows who Hair of the Dog is unless you're from Merrill, Wisconsin or one of these other small towns where they were huge. And so I'm talking about that and, you know, we get a really good response to Hair, it. Hair of the Dog was the house band at the Merrill VFW? <laughs> Maryland Wassa, you know, place called uh, Eli's Mile High. It was the place for bands like that. And that was in the era when I was working on radio. So, you know, I was yeah. all in it. Yeah, it was Jackal and Hair the Dog, baby. They Be- ruled the world. Before I let you get back to your very valid point, uh, how, how many VFWs have you been in? <laughs> I've been in several VFWs. <laughs> Oh yeah, those anyway. are the great bar- Those bars are great because you can go in there and drink any time of morning. <laughs> they have the world's best eight ounce Bloody Mary. <laughs> yes, indeed, VFW. That's awesome. <laughs> it's been a while, but yeah, I've been in a few. Yeah, you can't uh, swing a dead cat without hitting one in a town under under twenty thousand people. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was that. Do they have the Eagles in Wisconsin? The Eagles clubs. Oh yeah, think, okay. sure, definitely. Uh, Elks. Hey, I got a. I was a member of 4-H, and I got the scars to prove it. Really, me too, oh, yeah. man. I was yeah, horrible nice. at 4-H. I might have been like the like the least wanted person in 4-H ever. <laughs> you know what I like 4-H for was well, one, my grandparents were like the 4-H club leaders, and so technically, because <laughs> I lived on like the opposite side of town, I wasn't supposed to be in that 4-H group. But because my mom would drive me all the way out to her mom's house okay. for these 4-H meetings, I would get I would be a part of the Corning All Stars. It was a little like un unpopulated little townish area, and they had their own little 4-H team. Yeah. We we got to play softball. And the dudes on our team, there was a bunch of older dudes, and they played, like, bar league and stuff. So we were the <laughs> champions every year, and I didn't even have to be good at it. I didn't have no cows, no chickens, no farming stuff. You That's know, most of the other kids question. were all doing that stuff. What yeah. I did was I would draw pictures and enter them in the art contests. And then with my blue ribbons I would get, I would get money for them, and then I'd have money to spend down the, at the fair. Do you remember those ugly-as-fuck uh, 4-H jackets that were, like, corduroy they're like dark blue with the, the. Yeah, I don't remember the 4H fashion too much. I just I just remember the violence. Oh yeah, but yeah, the state fair was a huge deal if you were in in 4H. Yes, most definitely. That's where the money was made. Uh, well, speaking of 4H, let's get back to Ace Freely a little bit. <laughs> we went what, off on a 4H what, tangent. That's awesome. What, what, would, what would Ace Freely's uh, uh, specialty in 4H be? Uh, <laughs> horticulture? <laughs> he I has a no prize idea. pig. It's, it's Peter Chris. <laughs> 
The reason I want to talk a little bit about Ace Freely is that, like, you seem to be a, a, a pretty legitimate fan of his solo stuff. Shit, yeah, man. I love it all. I love it all. I love it from the solo album in 78. That was what started it for me. I had the solo albums, and for whatever reason, Ace Frehley's was the best, even when I was real little. Um, you know, I was I was too young to be listening to Kiss albums and shit, but for whatever reason, they they all let me. They all let me listen to Kiss. They all let me listen to Sabbath and Zeppelin and my yeah, dad's Beach Boys up, and the Doors and all that stuff. You know, most of my childhood, I think a good portion of it was sitting down in front of my parents' turntable <laughs> with the big old can headphones on, you know, just listening to stuff all the time. I had a Kiss guitar, the little plastic toy. Oh, man. You know what my parents got me instead of that? Huh. A real guitar. Those motherfuckers. Ah. <laughs> I asked for that and I got a used acoustic, but... Uh, it's yeah, it turned out all right. My parents got me. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Uh, if I you get still the kiss guitar, guitar. You, actually, you never actually learned to play. I literally had to start with an electric. I, 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 for whatever reason, my mind just couldn't wrap its its head around the idea that like I want to play rock and roll, but on an acoustic. Looking back, I was an idiot. I, I was offered piano lessons and turned them down. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, my parents wasn't metal. Exactly, I wanted to rock out, man. But my parents did buy me headphones mainly so they wouldn't have to listen to me listen to Kiss. But it's it's kind of fucked up. I've heard you talk about this before. It's definitely something that that I can relate to with you, and that is that like my pa- my parents were very very Christian, very kind of puritanical, but they're also like letting me listen to like Calling Doctor Love and all these these kind of fucked up songs. You know what I mean? If they if they spent any time breaking down the lyrics, I probably wouldn't have been allowed to. Yeah, see, my parents were totally cool. Like I remember, I remember a friend of mine. It was the same age as me, and we were listening to all kinds of cool rock music at our age. And but with him, like he could not take it home. Like so, if he bought yeah. something, he would have to basically give it to me. And then when I seen him on the bus or on at school or whatever, I'd give it back to him. But then before he went home, he'd have to give it back to me because if he got caught with it, they would take it away, and he'd be in big, big trouble. Mm-hmm. And so one day. She runs into my mom at the grocery store and says to her, how can you let your son listen to this kind of music? (laughs) And my mom said to her, it's just music. Go fuck yourself, bitch. You know, yeah, it's it's just Don't music. You know, yet. why why do you want to keep your son from listening to it? It's not like they're going to hurt themselves listening to music. I mean, don't you like music? And that's all it was. And so then my mom, she then thought about it and came home to me and was like, you know, and told me the story. And I'm thinking, oh, man, my mom is the coolest, you know? How awesome. And she's like, I mean, you are okay listening to this kind of music, right? And I'm like, yeah, mom, you know, it's just music. It doesn't just mean anything. Just give me anything, a Pepsi, you know? mom. Yeah. <laughs> but she was totally cool with it. And then, like, I told the story on the Ozzy episode we did a couple of weeks ago. You know, when I brought home my first Ozzy albums, my dad wasn't so sure about it. I was like, hey, I've been listening to your Sabbath albums all these years. And he was like, oh, yeah, cool, you know. <laughs> so there wasn't really a whole lot they'd ever said about music. I mean, they were okay with it. They probably thought I was weird you sure? because I was so into it. But then, you know, someday they'll invent a thing called podcast and it'll all be worth uh, it. Ah, yes. Someday when podcasts take over the world, I will go back to my parents and say, 
thank you for you know letting me listen to your Sabbath albums and my Aunt Pam for letting me listen to her Kiss records and my Uncle Bruce for letting me turning me on to all kinds of cool stuff over the years you know my cousin Robin and just all the people in my family that were into music you know and I remember my cousin Robin he had cassette tapes he had these two big old cases full of cassette tapes in a really cool car and when he'd come over to my grandparents house he would let me go sit out in his car and sample his cassette tapes Yes. And I just sit out there and I'd be in heaven, you know, listening to great white songs I never heard before and Dio songs I never heard before and, you know, crew. I mean, he had everything. It was, oh man, I miss those times so much. The discovery of new music all the time from people around you that are super cool and know what's up. That is, to me, the most important thing that we've lost is discovery. We kind yeah. of have turned into a. And I'm talking about our era. We've kind of become these parents that want our kids to like the things we liked, where our parents just were like, whatever, he likes this. I think that was better when you when your friends turned you on to something or your uncle or your sisters. Right. And it, and it wasn't your parents taking you to a Kiss concert. I think it's kind of killed music a little bit. It has. And, you know, to take that even one step further, and this was something else Chris and I were talking about, too, is the fact that there's no more mystique. You know, the fact that like when we were kids, like for my dad to say, oh, man, I don't know if I should let you listen to Ozzy because that's dangerous. No doubt. Or, you know, people that saw Alice Cooper and go, you shouldn't go to an Alice Cooper concert because he drinks blood of chickens and has sex with snakes and he's dangerous and you know don't go to that kiss concert because it stands for knights in service to satan and they're dangerous nothing's dangerous anymore you know nothing's exciting the way that is you know to go like i said to to get that ozzy album for the first time and go you know this is kind of scary to listen to this because I've heard all these things and look at this album cover and look at the names of these songs and you know I heard somebody shot themselves listening to it and but I'm going to listen to it it's like watching a scary movie you know you're going to be scared right. when you're little but you want to watch it because it's exciting you put on that Ozzy album and listen to it and go wow that was amazing and nothing bad happened to me so let's play it again it's hard to 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 explain it to your to yourself when you're you know a 15 year old but you can't accidentally worship the devil. I mean, it, it, it kind of right. has to be by choice. But 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 when you're young, you it's it's but here's real. something else too. And I and I hate to think about it this way, but it has crossed my mind that you know when people talk about rock being dead and what killed rock, when you talk about parents bringing their kids to the Kiss concert, you know what? In some theory, we killed rock by doing that. Yeah, that, instead that, of telling our kids, hey. Go you find your go own listen. band. Hey, why don't you go listen to some rap music? You know, don't be listening to no, you know, Kiss. You stay away from that stuff. That's dangerous. Don't you let me catch you listening to any Dio or Iron Maiden oh, either. Oh, yeah, you're going go. a different way. Yeah, you go yeah. listen to some Tupac and some Kanye West right now. <laughs> go to your room. And if I hear any overkill, young man, it's, oh, it's over. Oh, my Lord. That's what that's what we should have been doing or saying, you know, don't listen to Guar. That shit's scary. You'd be scared. Don't listen to it. I have a theory that I 100% believe in that if you took towns like Compton or these crime-ridden areas, right, and changed their names to like, you know, uh, uh, Flower Town or something very soft, that crime would decrease in these areas. And I think you, you've kind of... <laughs> Who wants street cred in Flower Town? <laughs> exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, yo, I'm representing Babylon Brook, bitch. 
You know, I mean, but you know, it's it's just hard to be hard if you're from a town that has a soft name or something something a little feminine. But you're kind of on the same path. Like we could have ruined rap instead of our own music. Uh, But I'm actually more of the idea of like I want my kid to tell me what they like. Yeah, you know, and then like I want them to go. Can I go see Fallout Boy? I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! As long as I don't have to go, right, uh, I can just drop you off, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll go get the tickets and that kind of shit. That that to me is 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 the path to just a continual, you know, growth and new bands and and new bands that'll be like these these bands that have twenty years twenty year careers from now. But uh, when when you were kids, it was like you didn't want your parents to like the same kind of music you did. Yeah, but, true. But then, but then you want so many people to like the same music you do yeah. that you're always out talking about it. And you know, as podcasters, we're we're vic- we we're, uh, guilty of it too, where we try to push that music, not really push it on people, but we want to introduce people to it all the time. And so it's in our nature to want to introduce it to the people we care about, and those are our children. So we figure, you know, <laughs> hey, I would be a terrible parent if I didn't take my kid to see Kiss. So well, you know, I've I, I look. I'm guilty of doing it myself. Uh, I know, me too. We keep diverting away from Ace Freely. I just wanted to talk a little bit about because some of his more recent output. Uh, I have I basically haven't liked anything other than a couple songs since he uh, left Kiss. Really, I really really liked Space Invader. The whole thing. You think it's a good? I mean, album. there's there's a couple of weaker songs on it, but for the most part, I think it's really good. I think the only thing he did that you know kicked my ass was the song um, uh, shit. "A Little Below the Angels." Yeah, of course it's that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not all of it's really great, but yes, none it, of it's terribly bad either, I guess. Well, no, a lot of it's terribly bad is my point. I think his entire <laughs> Origins record is just, I mean, why am I large? None of that made, it was like, Ace is like, hey, I can do covers. I'm going to do a whole bunch. And I was really excited to hear him do Rock and Roll Hell. And then I was like, well, now I'll never listen to that again. Really? I love it. I love his version of Rock and Roll Hell. And I love, I love most of that. I mean... Okay, I the, the covers they should he should have listened to us. Like Chris and I did a special episode where we laid out a whole bunch of songs that would have been great covers for Ace Frehley to do, and he didn't do hardly any of them. I don't think, but yeah. we would have had some perfect ones for him. I told him he should do uh, "On Down the Line" by Jerry Rafferty, a rocked out version of that. How cool <laughs> would that have been? That'd be all right. Or how about uh, "You May Be Right" by Billy Joe? Oh, Joel, a rocked out version of it. That's what? perfect for him in the New York accent. You may be right. I may be crazy. You know, as much as he talks about how he hasn't lost his voice, he has kind of gotten kind of a, like he doesn't enunciate well. He does kind of sound old is all I mean there. He's Which been is, living in California too long. Uh, but uh, to your cover point, I want to go back it, to me is the highlight on the Spaceman record. Really? I don't think so. I don't like that cover at all. That's like my least favorite song on there. All right, well, I guess we're fighting. Uh. 
I'm coming back. I'm I'm flying out to Nashville. Sweet. Uh, I'll be I'll be hanging. I'll basically be spending the entire time living in your uh, brand new uh, Decibel Geek recording gig. Uh, digs, you got it all set up there. You're not uh, staying at the hotel with the rest of us. Uh, well, no, I just figured I'd just uh, kind of burrow my <laughs> way into there and and, and save some money there. But uh, yeah, one thing that I'm still trying to come up with a way is some loophole to make me more 
knowledgeable about Canada than you. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you lost. With all your scheming and underhanded tactics, you still weren't able to beat me in the Great Canadian Challenge. You're not underselling it at all. I like went like I tried to get it, find any little loophole, uh-huh. little redo, and then on the redo, you killed me on the redo. Because after a while, I'd bitch about it and be like, "How can you just just come out of nowhere and challenge like that after after the contest is over? And I've already won, and you've already lost fairly." And it was like, "Okay, finally, you're like, nope, nope." You try, and I was like, "Fine." Fine, I accept your challenge. Let's do it again. And, and then I, I lost the second and time. And I still whipped your ass. <laughs> now, let's be clear to the listeners. Uh, you won with four and a half points out of a possible ten. I'm, and and I'm I was second with three. I still remember that. But, yeah, we yeah. neither one of I mean, it's not that we won. It was a battle of attrition. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> we were, either one of us are overly knowledgeable about Canada. I just happen to know one out of four things more than you did. <laughs> so when you put it like that, I guess my pride is diminished just a little bit, but still, well, It I was shouldn't champion. be because I left, like, like I, when I, like, was doing it, they're like, yeah, well, you're the leader. I'm like, with three? <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like, it was late in the day, and then you come along, Aaron Camaro comes in and swoops victory away from me, like a, like a total cheesehead killing a Viking fan, yeah. That's yep. probably where it all comes from. Is I was angry about that. Of course, a Packer fan's gotta beat me. It could have been like I don't know any other team, right? No, that's the way it's gotta be. That's the natural balance of things. Well, what are your plans for Rock and Pod Three? Same as they always are. You know, I just kind of show up and hang <laughs> out, and eventually somebody sticks a microphone in one Look hand good. and somebody sticks a beer in the other hand, and just kind of go with it from there. And it's always a lot of fun. So you know. It's like you guys give me a hard time. I don't do nothing, but I'm really good at it. So that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. You're the ambassador, right? That's right. The mayor of Nashville. (laughs) Well, let's talk about who's going to be there. The the assistant mayor when Todd Zilla shows up, but otherwise I'm the mayor. He kind of takes over with the uh, the, uh, over-the-top look and everything, right? That was one of my favorite moments from Rockin' Pod last year because you know I like to dress up for Rockin' Pod. You know, it's a it's a fancy event, so I got to put on my best stuff. You know, and so I'm there, and this pretty girl comes up to me and goes, "Wow, you are the shiniest person here." And I looked at her and I pointed at Toddzilla. She looked at him, looked back at me, and said, "Never mind." <laughs> right now, uh, Loose Cannon is listening to this, going, "Challenge accepted." Uh huh. Yeah, he's awesome. already he's already talked to me a little bit about uh, some wardrobe ideas. Uh, Sweet. I, I can't course, wait. I, I, of course, I hate them all, but uh, that's because it's they weren't my ideas at all. Well, you oh. know that they're doing the cosplay thing this year, too. Oh, at, at Rockin' Pod? Yeah, they're doing rock and roll cosplay. So you might see somebody dressed up like D. Schneider. We we saw people in past years dressed up like Kiss. So, uh, And be- before, I be forget, before I forget, uh, Lewis did have a, a, me- a message for you. He said that oh, cool. he thought it was super awesome and something else that you were going to be on the show so heck yeah heck yeah <laughs> well we should talk a little bit yeah, let's, fun let's, let's promote the damn thing uh uh we got jason beeler from uh saigon kick guitar player there michael cool. sweet from striper are you uh are you a saigon kick fan you know more than you would think but no not yeah. that big um I, I really like that song peppermint tribe by them that's an awesome tune. That that whole Lizard album, except for that one song, is really good. Love and it took me it, it took me years.
years to get into Saigon Kick because I didn't want to listen to them because that was the only song I heard. And I was like, yeah, I've heard that band. I'm not going to dig that. And my buddy, he had it, you know, and he was like, no, it's really good. And I'd be like, no, nah, fuck that. Put in this. Play something else. Put something else in, you know. And so finally he's like, <laughs> you're going to listen to it. And he played it. And I was like, damn, you know, why'd they release that song first? You know, why didn't they release something that rocked? So that, you know, like... That was right in the middle of grunge and all that stuff, so... Yeah, right when that was all taken off. That was the worst time. I mean, all my friends are already giving me shit for liking Kiss. You know, now I'm going to like Saigon. I I really like Saigon Kick. You're going to tell that to somebody, you know, one of your buddies. They're going to be like, oh yeah, I bet you do. But that, but that album, The Lizard, is killer. And like they've had albums since then, and it's all really, really good. I'm very much in agreement with you in the sense of like, I had no idea how good it was because of Love is on the Way. Yeah. It kind of killed it it. for me. It'd be like hearing Extreme for the first time and basing their entire career on more than words. Right. Yeah, most uh, definitely. um, But uh, who else? uh, We got got Michael Sweet from uh, Striper. We all know about that. I'm going to be up on stage. Can you believe this? Get this. I'm going to be up on stage with my co-host, Chris Sinzak, and we're going to be up there in front of a live studio audience with Michael Sweet, and we're going to be talking about the album Soldiers Under Command. That's amazing. How does that happen? Soldiers Under Command had to be one of the first five songs I learned on guitar. Really? Yeah. yeah That's up there with cool. The Detroit, I don't know exact order, but it was like Detroit Rock City, Smoke on the Water, and, and Soldiers. You know, I was buying these magazines cool. with Tab, but, you know, it was one of the first ones. So Yeah, nice. That's cool the way that works out. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. tell Michael Sweet that. He'll dig it. Yeah, you know, I, I, well, as you know, I've actually talked to him a couple of times. He's been That's on the right. Covers and Fire show. Uh, he, a fabulous guest. I, I actually almost appreciate it more because he knows I'm not a big striper guy. Right and, on. and the fact that he just keeps coming on. Uh, so, uh, and, and he's a great guest. Laid back, has a sense of humor, and has fun with it. That's cool. I always like that when you can, like, through the opportunity of doing a podcast, you know, the time I got to sit down and Chris couldn't make it, so I had to go by myself to talk to Mike Tramp. Nice. And I was and I was never really a big White Lion <laughs> fan, you know. I always liked Vito Brada, but the rest of the songs always seem kind of, you know, kind of meant for the girls, you know. That is the, the metal for the sure. girls, you know. And so I was never. Now I'm stuck talking to him, and then I get a whole new respect for him after talking to him, and it's, it makes me go, okay, I need to go back and try to, you know, listen to some of this stuff. And I went back and found some White Lion that I really actually dig. Cool. It's not when the children cry, but there's some other really cool songs that they got too that I didn't even know. Erie Vaughn, who I was, uh, it was a real thrill to do a, a panel with him last year. That was uh, awesome, man. You did a great job, too. I appreciate that, man. Um, Steven Chereau, Kick Tracy. I met I him last much year. About he them. was cool. Roxy Blue, uh, they're older new. They're older, I guess. I mean, they were one of those bands that were first coming up. You're not familiar with Roxy Blue? You know, I, I, I keep thinking Roxy Music, which is really old. Okay, no. Totally different. Yeah, that's really old Canadian something, I think. And Roxy Blue was out of Memphis, and they were coming up at the same time when those bands were about to drop off. And they were a hard-rocking, kind of influenced by Van Halen kind of thing going on. And they had a tune called Rob the Cradle. And it was, uh, they had a video for it and everything, but I mean, it was, it was kind of like Saigon kick, you know, that shit wasn't happening in the year that that was trying to come out. That's pretty good endorsement there. Uh, yeah, I like Roxy Let, let me hammer through the rest of the list and then we'll kind of right. talk a little bit. We got Toby Wright, uh, obviously, yeah. uh, famous producer, Brian Forsyth from Kicks. 
Uh, Drew and Jim from Wildside. Rick Rule from Every Mother's Nightmare. Jack Gibson, that's from Exodus, if I remember right. That's cool, huh? Yeah, man. Drew Fortier from, I don't know, Zero from Mars. Uh, and I'm trying to, I'm sorry. Zen I'm, from I'm Mars. squinting. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Zen from Mars. Yeah. I told you I was squinting. Uh, and Jeremy Barbo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck this up. The, the green jello guy, Jeremy Babar. Yeah, we met him at the Ace Frilly show. He's a really cool dude. And I, I haven't heard of this band, Pump Five. Is, Pump Five, is that a new new group uh, with Steve Todd Bar- Barnett showing up? Why are you asking me, man? I'm just the mayor. The, the guests really are the, are the draw. The podcasts are kind of a, a secondary thing, but it's a lot of fun. And if you actually host a podcast, it's a great place to network. And it has done so much for our show between year one, year two, and coming up on year three. Uh, we have seen just a ton of growth. And, and, and not only that, but we, we, we are now like friends and part of a, a community of people. That's the cool thing about it. You know, it's, it's to me... The guests are almost secondary. You know, to me, it's my favorite part is seeing all the podcasts because it has become like a community and there's all these different people from all different parts of the world, all, you know, all over the place. And they come together because they have the same passion for the same thing. And that's creating quality podcasts for people to enjoy, you know, week after week after week, you know, and it's, it's not always easy, but we make it happen and, you know, to all get together and be able to appreciate each other and what we all do for the art that we're representing. It's, it's an amazing thing for everybody to get together. So if you're listening to this and you have a podcast that's about rock and roll, you need to get in on it because it's a great way. Like I said, you you go to Rock and Pod, and then you can take the next two months off because you've recorded all your episodes for those two months while you're at Rock and Pod. I will also like to add, if you're a fan of podcasts and the people that are going to be there, these guys just hang around. It isn't like one of these like uh, deals where everybody's kind of cornered off. Yeah, right. You buy a ticket and wait in a line. I mean, you'll bump into these guys walking. I'm talking about like Michael Sweet. I'm talking about Erie Vaughn. They're just going to be hanging out. As a fan, that's kind of cool, man. Well, and the other cool thing about it is is it's not just the Rock and Pod Expo on Saturday because, I mean, there's all kinds of things going on that day. Chances to win prizes, meet your favorite rock stars. I mean, kind of just really mingle and hang out with them. That's what's really cool about that. But we got a whole weekend thing going on because the night before – in at the Marriott Hotel because it's all in one place. You don't even got to leave if you don't want to because why would you want to? Because that's where the party is. You don't yep. want to leave the party. You want to stay where the party's at. That's happening at that Marriott because <laughs> you get your room there. And then the night before, we've got the Rock and Roll Residency, an awesome band called 8-Ball, and a really cool band called Lipstick Generation, which, Baco, you and I were on Greg Troyan's show, the Lipstick yeah. Panel, together. And his band is the one of the bands going to be playing the night before at the hotel. Hey, you want to hear a quick uh, Greg Troyan impersonation from yours truly? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I, ho- I-, I hope he's going to enjoy this. But uh, hey, guys, my name's Greg. Thanks for inviting me to this uh, metal show. Hey, who here loves Barry Metal? <laughs> <laughs>
It's been a blast having you on the show, Aaron. Uh, obviously, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Decibel Geek. Uh, so thank you very much for being on the show. Man, the pleasure's mine. And, you know, on the other side of that, when I go into a grocery store and a little kid goes, Wow, it's Aaron Camaro from the Decibel Geek <laughs> Podcast. And his dad comes by and grabs the kid's arm and leads him away and goes, Yeah, but they inspired Cobras and Fire. <laughs> now you know the other side of that, how that feels. You're welcome. Sometimes I listen to you guys and think, man, it must be nice to do a show like that. You know, not have to do any homework, not have to do any editing. You know, it just it seems so, editing, so easy and free. We edit the shit out of our show. <laughs> Bananas. I had a jerk-off station, for God's sakes. Eve. Eve. And she's big as hell. I'm just teasing. No, we might I be the most guys. edited show in podcasting history. Well, now I know how it feels. It sounds it feels good. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's freeing. No, it, it there is that, that nice little balance. You uh with, with uh, you and Chris too. Uh, that, that I, I was always hoping to get with, with loose cannons. So maybe someday. Yeah, you guys keep working on it. You know, it's it's chemis- <laughs> it's chemistry. It's not natural. It's got to be cultivated. Oh uh, yeah, it's got to be worked on. But uh, <laughs> you know, one one thing I think uh, in, uh, anybody that knows the two of us, especially listeners to the show that hate sports, they want us to talk a little football. Oh uh, boy, I will tell you this, and this is no joke. I really, and I noticed that you don't really say a whole lot sports wise. On your on your own uh, Facebook page or in social media in any form, I don't know what your reason is, but I can tell you mine is that they go sideways so much. It won't surprise you knowing where I live. I know a certain amount of people that, uh, that are friends of mine that are uh, fans of a, a football team that that fucking sucks. Name the Green Bay Packers. Well, of course they're fans of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> they live in Minnesota. Who else would they cheer for? <laughs> oh, there we go. That's, That's all they got. Uh, but I honestly stay away from it on social media because the shit turns sideways so quick. I do too. You know, you're just inviting a bunch of bullshit if you get into that because, and then you're just going to get mad and all. Yeah, it's pointless. You know, I, I don't know. I have a hard time. I got a good friend, a really good friend of mine who's a big Chicago Bears fan. You know, yeah. and I, I used to love to watch football with him, but then we watched the Bears and Packers games, and for all these many years, like I want to cheer. You know, when I, I watch the Packers by myself, so I can yell and cheer all I want to. You know, and not have to worry about nothing. I watched the Bears game with my buddy Tommy, and it's like. Yeah. Oh, Tommy. Oh, man. Maybe next time. You know, because <laughs> I don't want to be a dick to nobody. Because everybody loves their own team for whatever reason they love them for. And so, for me to say, "Well, you're an idiot because you love the Vikings," you know, that's that's not cool either. So I don't even try to invite any of that. Well, yeah, and that's always what it turns into, right? Like if I wanted to poke a little fun at you over uh, a game, you know. Uh, it would just turn into all these people that we aren't inviting into the conversation to just <laughs> fucking suddenly take the thing sideways. So I do like to do it via text. Like even even uh, Josh Toomey, Toomey, you know, he's a fan of the Titans and there's no way a rival. I like talking to you about it and giving you a hard time. And, right. You know, uh, you know, but even then it's like I always like I'll do it about once a year and it's usually like in February. And, and you're like, Really, Baco? Already? You You're know? right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's too bad because I think social media has ruined some of the fun for guys like you and I. But that said, I have had quite a few opportunities to go to Lambeau Field, but I'm like, that's an awful long way to go to smell urine and vomit. Oh, man. It is a very nice outdoor toilet. 
Come on. I'm inviting you to kick back. And that's all you got? I don't really want to. I, see, again, you, you're trying to drag me into it, and I don't want to. You know, I just don't want to. I, I have a hard time with that. You know, I don't like to give people a hard time you know, for liking know, their football teams. But I, I know mean, a lot of Packer fans have a hard time with a lot of stuff. Like when they come to, to, to Minnesota to watch the Packers play at, at our beautiful stadium, um, we often have to t- teach them how faucets work. Right, yeah. If you can keep the dome staying on yeah. in place, it's like no, no, no. That's a sink. That's but I not mean, a urinal. You're, I mean, you're talking about the stadiums and stuff. I mean, look at the teams, though. I mean, how many times <laughs> have the Vikings gone to the Super Bowl through the history of the NFL and lost? How many times have they looked like they've had like the team of the century and they get down to the playoffs and they blow it? You know, the best quarterback they ever had was Brett Favre. I mean, come on, and they couldn't even Viking all time. He, he couldn't even take Brett them Favre. to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean, this. <laughs> Last year, man, the Vikings looked really, really good up until when they normally stop looking good right at the beginning of the playoffs. Hey, look, if it's all about wins and losses with you. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what football is to you, then yeah, I guess. When I was a kid, I used to watch my dad watch Packer games and he'd be mad and upset all the time, you know, and it's like, geez, why do you watch it? You know, and then yeah, you get yeah. older and you realize that, you know, I don't know, it's just kind of like where you're from, you know, and you got to you got to support your team because it's like yep. if each state or each area was its own country, those would be armies, you know, and you'd be cheering for your own armies yeah. to defeat the enemies, you know, and so you kind of get wrapped into it where now you watch those games and, you know, coming and being a Packer fan, we had Brett Favre for all them years and things normally went pretty damn good for us. And then, you know, got the Super Bowl back in the 90s and then Aaron Rodgers era starts up and things look pretty damn sweet for the most part there and we get Super Bowl there and now these last couple of years have been really, really shitty, you know, and so it yeah, kind of messes bad things up, you know. Oh, I bet you do. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, but yeah. it must be difficult having fucking probably the best quarterback of all time on your team and uh, yeah. only winning well, one Super Bowl. I, God, I just feel for you. Oh, no, the Packers have won way more Super Bowls than that. With just just the one with, so with, far yeah, with Aaron yeah, Rodgers yeah. so far. I'll this, tell you this. This year ought to be interesting because it's like Aaron Rodgers and a whole different team around him. So, yeah, we'll actually we'll find out if goes. was he hurt last year or was he really just trying to get Mike McCarthy fired? Did we no, have no he idea? was hurt. He wasn't yeah. trying to get McCarthy fired. That was that was some weird clickbait stuff going on with that. Unless, but then again, who knows? You know, it's <laughs> yeah, all but it's you, all pro wrestling to me. You say that, but Mike McCarthy is going to be listening to this podcast in, in a <laughs> massage parlor somewhere. <laughs> Well, maybe he can call into Crobers and Fire and clear it all up. Oh, man. He's a open invitation. Asshole yeah. Radio. With Asshole Mike Radio McCarthy. with Mike McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah, he's got all these songs about He's going to play a bunch of Stevie Rochelle and the Cheeseheads with Attitude. Oh, my God. It's been a pleasure, Aaron. Um, you know I love you. And Thanks, I love having man. you on the show. And uh, uh, we'll always uh, bow to the, the, the feet of Decibel Geek. But. Oh. Uh, that's cool, man. It's yeah, it's always fun. Like I said, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you and Loose Cannon at Rock and Pod this summer. So it's cool that he's coming back as well. And you know, you and me and Chris and everybody down there, you know, we always have such a great time. I'm so looking forward to it. Especially, like I said, Loose Cannon's coming back. So you know, as long as our episode gets to go first, as it likely you know <laughs> should definitely do, then you know everything's good. Yeah, if not, uh, it is what it is. But uh, thank you for uh, <laughs> for joining on the experiment here. Maybe next year we'll do it again, and you'll be with loose cannons. So, all right, that sounds cool too, man. Have a good night, and then uh, fuck the Packers. All right. <laughs>
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 